Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters Podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everyone, and once again, may I welcome you to our show. I am W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. Available at Amazon in paperback, ebook, and in the lending library, as well as volume six, five, four, and three, being available in audiobook at Audible, iTunes, and Amazon, with the others to follow as time permits. Well, 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 my friends. Apparently, There is something else that is grand lurking about in and around the Grand Canyon. (laughs) Grand in both stature and proportions. As my brother Kevin is about to unfold in our cryptids in the news and history and other oddities segment. So now, let's get ready to rumble! As I welcome my brother Kevin to the show. Kev, how are you today? I'm doing great. How about you, Bill? Pretty good, pretty good. It's Columbus Day, and uh, I don't know, are you celebrating? You know, down here in the South, we don't celebrate Columbus Day. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Columbus. Poor Columbus. Jeez, that puts the kibosh on me. I was going to wear a a puffy suit and a little beret. Yeah. (laughs) Don't don't let us slow you down, though. (laughs) I don't want to hamper your enthusiasm. Yeah, they had a parade uh, somewhere up here in New York, a big Italian-American community. And, uh, you know, it's just funny, you know, uh, people are going to do what they're going to do. But they had some old geezer (laughs) walking around in this, uh, uh, like I said, this puffy striped suit. It was like yellow with blue stripes running uh, head to toe. And he had this little beret on with the feathers sticking out, shaking hands with people on the side of the street. That's great. Yeah, that's awesome. I think they should have had a Bigfoot chasing a guy down the road like an old comedy skit. (laughs) Remember me, Columbus? I was here when you showed up, but you never talked about me. (laughs) Oh, that's too funny. Cool. Well, so, I mean, I don't know as usual, folks. uh, My brother and I really don't talk about uh, what we're going to say. all I know is that something nasty is sneaking around the Grand Canyon. Am I right, Kev? That is correct. Um, so this one actually came up in viewer mail or listener mail uh, a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks back. And I totally mispronounced it, and I even suggested maybe it was misspelled because I never heard of it before. But it's it's uh, spelled out like Mogollon, uh, M-O-G-O-L-L-O-N, the Mogollon monster, but apparently it's pronounced Mug-E-Yun, so Mug-E-Yun monster. Wow. And uh, although, I, I don't know, Bill, have you heard of this? I never heard about it, but n- now you're uh, uh, knocking on my door. Uh, that was in one of the viewer mails, right? He said, oh, yes, yes, wait a second now. 
That fella said, you know, there's been stuff lurking around this rim, right, in Arizona? Exactly. And and then I said, wait till volume nine, because I've got something in that area. Yes, yes. All right, yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah, now it's good. It's related to this uh, geographical region called the Muggian Rim. And um, it basically, it runs just south of the Grand Canyon in Arizona from the northwestern part of the state to the southeastern part of the state. So, um, you know, it's pretty, pretty interesting. So it runs, uh, uh, again, south of the canyon uh, from cities like Williams and Prescott, Arizona, to cities like Clifton and Alpine, Arizona. And, you know, getting to your point a few weeks back, Bill, where you were thinking of Arizona as being only this desert place with, you know, uh, uh, scorpions, rattlesnakes, and Gila monsters, which is certainly plenty of that from my experience. Uh-huh. These, these, this swath represents kind of where you start moving into higher elevation. So kind of right in the center of this swath from east to west is a city called Payson, and Payson is at about 5,000 feet of elevation. So it's all pretty high and more green and big ponderosa pines and things like that. So this is really where we're getting into some uh, some woods. Exactly, it's woods and uh, high alpine uh, plains, I guess you'd call it. So you know, but but with tall grass and tall trees, a lot of pine trees as well. Yeah, yeah, I love that stuff, and uh, it seems like this is uh, habitat, not just there, but when we talk about Bigfoot. Uh, when you start talking tall pines, trees, woods, uh, this is their preferred uh, habitat as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I, you know, I used to live in the state of Arizona and uh, probably have been up to the Grand Canyon, I bet, 10 or 15 times, have hiked across the Grand Canyon, spent the night down there. And, you know, the whole area is pretty darn rural. And the sightings, again, are in this swath and also up and around the Grand Canyon. So kind of two different locales that aren't too far apart from one another, though. Now, is this is this a rim or ridge? How, how did you pronounce it again? Mogullian? Yeah, Muggian. 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 Is this, uh, it sounds like an enormous uh, stretch or expanse of uh, uh, land over there that this is uh, included in. Yeah, it's kind of like a diagonal across probably two thirds of the state of Arizona. And Arizona is a pretty big state. You know, wow, that's huge. As you know, when you head out to the western part of the United States, the states are a lot bigger. You know, up in the northeast and southeast, they're relatively small. Northwest and West, those are some big states out there. Cover yeah, a lot of ground. Yeah. yeah, a lot of real estate. Exactly. Exactly. So cool stuff. You know, stories about the creature go all the way back to 1903. Uh, that's the first documented newspaper account. We're going to talk a little bit about some of these accounts in a minute. So it's not like it's a new thing. But the sightings have continued up until the most recent one that's documented is just a few years ago. So it's been around for a long time, the sightings of this Mungian monster. Wow. Yeah. And the stories about the creature say that it's uh, mostly nocturnal, uh, very territorial, and leaves footprints behind that are up to 22 inches in length. So it sounds a little bit like something else we know, right? 
Yeah, it's a big boy. Exactly. And uh, now it, they say, people say that it emits unusual whistling sounds and that they have found large nests on the ground built out of pine needles, twigs, and leaves. So it's kind of interesting. And, you know, one of the one of the topics I want to talk about in the future is these these nests that have been found out in the Olympic Peninsula of Washington State, you know, that people are calling Bigfoot nests or Sasquatch nests. So it seems like this creature builds nests also. Yeah. And really, it's just, you know, I think I mentioned a while ago, I have an area. uh, You know how my property is, Kev. Yep. So, folks, I have a section of my property fenced off to keep the deer out so we can grow some uh, nice-looking gardens and bushes. But behind that is all woods. And in one corner, I have an area where I put all of the leaves uh, and yard debris. And it kind of gets this kind of puffy, fluffed-up look to it until the snow falls and flattens everything out. But the deer like to lay on top of those piles of leaves, And, you know, I'm thinking about Bigfoot. Uh, We mentioned this once before that, you know, okay, so maybe some of them go in a cave if there's a cave available in their territory. But I'm thinking they just want to lay down and rest. And so what's better than a little somewhat soft bed of uh, twigs and leaves? Sure. And and probably keeps them a little warm in the wintertime as well. Sure. Some insulation uh, off the ground, right? Exactly. Exactly. Wow. So, you know, we get a little creepy here. You know, the Mm. accounts also talk about that the creature has been known to decapitate deer and other wildlife prior to eating them. (laughs) Wow. So it's a bloodthirsty beast. Yes, we like bloodthirsty beasts. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then uh, they say, uh, and we've heard this before in some other accounts, that the monster has been said to emit a blood-curdling scream described as sounding like a woman in great distress. So, yeah. Poor. Now, see, again, you know, uh, people say, where is the evidence? Well, when you listen to report after report after report, And you hear the M.O. of this creature, uh, the hooting, the howling, the strange language, the the uh, woman being murdered. Uh, I mean, come on. Uh, You know, all of these people uh, not knowing each other aren't just whistling Dixie here with what they're saying. This is what they're hearing and this is what these creatures do. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So in addition to the this blood-curdling scream, um, the accounts talk about uh, the fact that there is an eerie silence prior to any encounter. So, you know, basically an appreciable stillness in the woods mm-hmm. that commonly surrounds uh, where these sightings take place. So all of a sudden, you know, the witnesses hear that, well, prior to this, they hear a lot of noise. From, you know, the crickets, whatever, rustling around, the squirrels, things like that. And then uh, quite suddenly, there's just an eerie silence. And then they uh, have an encounter with this beast. Yeah, you know, and Kev, this stuff, this stuff is the same throughout nature. Yep. I mean, just in my yard alone, I know when the hawks are around the yard because all of the birds shut up. There's no chirping. Nobody's at the feeders, 
and I'm peeking around out there looking around as sure as shooting there's a red-tailed hawk sitting on a big branch you know off the side of the yard or a goshawk or something yeah so it's the same thing with this Bigfoot the other creatures in the forest are intimidated by this thing and they know when it's around same thing no squirrels around either like I'll have a ton of squirrels in my yard and when they disappear sure enough I see a hawk circling around overhead yeah, there's no doubt about it. Wow, that's incredible. Cool. So we're gonna we're gonna go to an article, a recent article that was per, published by a woman named Erin Ford, and she published it on October 24th, uh, 2017. So not too long ago, in a periodical called the Grand Canyon News, and Erin uh, talks about in the article some of the original sightings and some uh, later sightings as well. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna tell you what the article says because I think it's a great source. Awesome. So she talks about that first sighting that I mentioned in 1903, so a long time ago, when a gentleman by the name of I.W. Stevens told the Williams, Arizona News, and uh, here we get into uh, Mr. Stevens talking. He says, I saw a man with long white hair and a matted beard that reached his knees. He wore no clothing, and upon his talon-like fingers were claws at least two inches long. A coat of gray hair neatly, nearly covered his body, with here and there a patch of dirty skin showing. Stevens goes on to describe the creature's face, which he called a horror, noting it was seared and burned brown by the sun, with fiery green eyes. Wow. Yeah, listen to this. So he says, Stevens reported he was charged by the beast who wielded a large club and was ready to fire at it when it stopped short of mauling him, distracted by a mountain lion on the ledge above. Stevens said he shot the mountain lion, leaving behind two cubs, but the strange creature had run away as he fired. As Stevens retreated and made his way back to his boat, he said he noticed the creature had returned and was making a meal out of all three mountain lions. When Stevens yelled at the creature from the safety of his boat, he said it fled up the rock ledges, but not before he flourished his club again and screamed the wildest, most unearthly screech I ever have heard. Holy cow. Wild, right? Yeah, now, you know, the uh, we've heard of these, uh, the hair covering uh, in white and gray. Yep. And I always wondered, do you think that's just an aged Bigfoot? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, certainly it's reasonable. Um, you know, I've talked about it before that the, the bears that I've seen, you know, most recently up in Alaska, all different colors. You know, sh- yeah. shocking. You know, in the in the same uh, pasture, you'd see shiny black bears. You know, of of the same species, what they call brown yeah. bears up there, like the grizzlies, and right. then you'd see blonde colored ones, and reddish ones, and dark brown ones all together. It's incredible, and you know uh, this fella. This fella says that this beast was wielding a club. Yeah, that's weird. Like I hadn't heard that before. Yeah, I mean, it actually had a weapon 
uh, and was using it to its advantage to swing at things, uh, you know, club things to death. Yeah, honestly, it sounds like a little caveman-esque or something like that. Yeah, wow, just incredible, though. But this weathered, parched skin from the sun and, you know, uh, uh, it's unbelievable. Yep, and it goes all the way back to 1903. That's that's a published account in 1903. Now, this, uh, Kev, you remember you were talking about those guys in the cabin? Uh, wasn't that around this uh, Arizona where they were assaulted in the cabin? Uh, that was at- in, yeah, that was in uh, Washington, northern Oregon, southern Washington, I think. Oh, okay, I'm getting the areas confused. Down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible, man. Still out west, though, in a pretty rural place. Yeah, just really bizarre, you know, and him shoot. Well, those are the only details we have about uh, his encounter. Uh, You know, kind of odd that he gets the bums rush from the Bigfoot uh, at the same time this uh, cougar appears and he takes a shot at that. Uh, of course, we're not there. I wish I could uh, have some more details about this whole thing transpiring, but we have what we have. Well, and I know from living out there, though, these cougars, they're always around. It's just, it's extremely rare that you see them. You know, if you're in cougar or mountain lion country, they're watching you very often, but you very rarely ever see them, get a glimpse of them. Yeah, and their coloration in the... Uh, the, the rocky strata out there, it's got to blend in pretty good, right? Oh, and they're super stealthy. You know, great yeah. great hunters, too. Very opportunistic hunters. Yeah, yeah, wow. Mm. Uh, it's similar to what I say uh, about the Bigfoot again and again and again. If you see a Bigfoot and walk away, you had a good day. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I think these cougars, uh, this is how these creatures get to jump on people. Uh, you don't even know they're there, and if they want to get you, they're going to get you. Yeah, no doubt uh, about it. Uh, wow, that's incredible. So in this same article, um, she talks about another sighting now that was documented and occurred much later in 1944 near Payson, Arizona. So in that band of uh, geography that runs from the northwest to the southeast that I talked about mm-hmm. earlier. And Don Davis, um, he believes, he, he believed that he saw the Muggian monster while he was on a Boy Scouts camping trip. So Davis uh, talks about the tale as follows. He says, the creature was huge. Its eyes were deep set and hard to see, but they seemed expressionless. His face seemed pretty much devoid of hair, but there seemed to be hair along the sides of his face. His chest, shoulders, and arms were massive, especially the upper arms, easily upwards of six inches in diameter, perhaps much, much more. I could see he was pretty hairy, but didn't observe really how thick his body hair was. The face and head was square, square sides and squared up chin, almost like a box. Wow. Yeah, pretty... Pretty interesting, right? Kind of like it reminds me of Herman Munster. (laughs) (laughs) Long on top, short on side, piercing eye, lantern jaw. (laughs) Didn't mention uh, that he had cement blocks for feet, though. (laughs) 
Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember that episode with Paul Lind as the doctor? <laughs> Herman <laughs> Herman comes in for a, a, a physical, and uh, before they even get going, Herman the big clutch smashes Paul Lind's glasses. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's right. So he's feeling around on. <laughs> so he, he extends his hand. To take the pulse, and Paul Lynn says, "Oh, I see you brought your dog with you." <laughs> He's got classic comedy. Hand, classic comedy. His hand is completely engulfed in like long fur, and the camera zooms in on it. You know. <laughs> oh my God! How did I get on that subject? I don't know. <laughs> we were talking about that square face. Oh yeah, like yeah, Herman square Munster. Face. Square head. Yeah, yeah. And, th- and then we go to a sighting um, uh, back in 2014, so much more recently. And this one's a little bit different as well, but a documented sighting. And this is where a student was hiking uh, on uh, Canyon Point Trail near Payson, Arizona, when she saw what she described as a troll-looking creature. And it was drinking water from a pool, you know, pool of water. Um, And the student said that the creature was human looking, no hair on it, but full of bumps. And the eyes were kind of brown red, thick, big nose, small lips, no expression on its face at all. And when it saw her, it took off running like a person. So very strange, right? You know, it sounds like Gollum. What was that character in the the Lord of the Rings? Oh, was yeah, it yeah. Gollum? Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I can't remember, but yeah, that that Middle Earth creepy character, classic uh, troll looking beast. Man, that is weird. Yeah, so you know, and they, they they go on to talk about the fact that you know the the uh, the monster is described in many different accounts as either being large, like larger than a human. Uh, or human size, having green or red eyes, again, the red eyes, Uh covered in white, gray, or black-brown hair, so different colors. And, um, you know, no one knows what its origin is. And, of course, you have the scientists coming in and being skeptical that something like this could even exist, right? Right, Um, right. But, you know, a lot of local folks definitely believe that there's something... slightly inhuman wandering around amongst the Ponderosa Pines, you know, in northern Arizona. Wow, that's incredible. And, you know, Kev, if you just think, uh, how long have we been doing this podcast? We started in what? Back like in uh, May, right? Okay, so back in May. Uh, just in regards to the listener uh, mail and or people sending us uh, emails about a variety of different things. I would say we must have had, and I haven't been keeping track, I'm just thinking about it now, we must have had a dozen or a couple of dozen of people uh, who say they have had some type of encounter or sighting or they know of somebody who did. Definitely, yeah. So, you know, when you talk about how many people are seeing this thing, the numbers could be really off the charts, but... Again, we, we we don't get 
a, a full accounting of what happened from most of these people. They just, for whatever reasons, they don't want to, they don't want to talk, they don't want to be known. Whatever the reasons are, we're not getting a full accounting of what's going on out there. And really, nobody is. No, no, I agree 100%. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, again, I I look back at that account that I talked about uh, in upstate New York a few weeks back, a few episodes back, where the police officer said, I'm looking at something that I know doesn't exist. And, you know, that was profound to me. And that really sums up a lot of these sightings where folks are just, you know, in a little bit of shock or maybe a lot of bit of shock. Uh, where all the time you're thinking this can't possibly exist, and then all of a sudden you're staring right at it, right in front of you. Yeah, you know, uh, I want to say this. Uh, The last time, one of the last times I had a substantial UFO encounter here on Long Island, uh, a sighting, uh, broad daylight, ongoing for many minutes, I had a camera in the car, and in the moment, it didn't even dawn on me to grab the camera. I was, like, locked in and mesmerized. I can't describe it mm-hmm. to you any other way. It's it's almost like I was in kind of like a, a, a waking stupor. I was just looking at this thing. I, I couldn't take my eyes off of what was going on, and I was looking around, uh, trying to substantiate in my mind that what I was seeing was real. Uh, I'm looking up and down the beach. This actually happened down by the shore. I, there were other people around. I was looking at people's faces, uh, what they were doing in regards to what I was looking at. And I had a camera in the car. So, <laughs> I mean... I can I can understand it entirely that when you would see or encounter a, a monster like this, you are just stunned. I mean, first first of all, I would be thinking, "Damn, I hope this thing ain't coming on me." Right. Because I don't care what you're doing, man. This thing could open up a can of whoop ass on you, and you're a goner. <laughs> you know, you're not gonna, you're not, uh, you're not taking this thing to the ground and uh, grappling with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no way. Oh my goodness, man! Wow, that is incredible. Yeah. So in that Whitehall incident, uh, we had basically a couple of people that saw it. We know the testimony of the one officer. He's been very outspoken. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, whoever else saw it chose to decline uh, on the interview or pursuing, uh, you know, making known to the public uh, what they had seen. Yeah, especially the other state trooper, you know, that encountered the beast. He flat out said uh, to the other police officer, hey, I, I, I don't want to, you know, come out with this story. Yeah, so there Which, you go. Yeah. It's his prerogative. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's incredible, man. Cool. So that is the Muggian Monster. Wow, that is really uh, that's some great stuff there, man. And I, I, you know, I didn't know where you were going with that or what was what was there for the taking. Uh, but you know, we have a number of uh, sightings. Sp- 
spanning what forty years? The first one was like in nineteen oh four or something. Nin- the other no, one was longer in than that. So nineteen oh three up to twenty fourteen. So wow, yeah, holy this thing's cow. been around for a while. Yeah, and it's it's you know I, I, my feelings are it's not the same creature. No. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a, a few of them walking around out there. How many? Who knows? You know, it's the same old story. We don't know the numbers, uh, but uh, we're certainly interested in hearing what anybody has to say out there. And again, folks, before I move on here, if you've seen something, say something. Uh, uh, we had a listener send in a very lengthy account uh, last week. Uh, I have reached out to him. Uh, by the way, Jacob. Was his name Jacob, Kev, or Jason? I think it was Jason. Jason. Jason, if you're listening, call me, because I want to talk to you in detail about what you sent me. Uh, but, you know, there are people who are seeing things out there, uh, and uh, we want to know about it. So do call us. If you've seen something, say something. You can go to our webpage, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, hit the contact button, uh, by the way, that webpage is a work in progress, uh, so we've got some plans for that down the road. Uh, but you could certainly contact us there, and uh, we get and answer everything that is sent to us, okay? Now, this, uh, this account that I'm going to uh, share with uh, you folks is going to make you think twice about taking the garbage out at night, I guarantee it. <laughs> And it's amazing to me how many encounters and sightings happen in buildings and outbuildings on people's property uh, surrounding uh, uh, or encounters and and sightings that surround uh, food, storage of food, uh, orchards on the property. Uh, These creatures are most definitely opportunistic and they are snooping around, and they know where things are, kind of like a raccoon, Kev, right? The raccoon comes in your yard, the row is peeking here and there for something to eat. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, so, anyways, this account was told to me by a fellow named Cedric Shaughnessy, a resident of Minnesota. And uh, this is what Cedric had to say about his his and his wife's encounter uh, January 13th, 1992. At that time in my life, my wife and I were newlyweds, having been married in the summer of 1990. We had purchased a previously owned home in eastern Minnesota, which was about 15 miles or so away from where both of our parents lived. The house was small, ranch-style, and it had a detached two-car garage and a small, well-constructed barn in the rear yard. The gentleman that we had purchased it from, being a welder, had used this barn as his shop for many years. We had only been living there a short while when I purchased a used top-loading freezer from a local resident. This freezer chest was the size of two large refrigerators lying on their backs, and I think the capacity was something like 50 cubic feet or thereabouts. The top consisted of a single large lid type of door, 
which had a very beefy latch assembly on it. I had added a rugged clasp and a master lock to make sure that nothing could or would get into the freezer chest. This was to be my venison locker. After our first full year in this home, my locker had been well-stocked with a variety of butchered meat from the various hunts I had been on. It was in the winter of 92, January 12th to be exact, that I was in the shower when my wife opened the bathroom door shouting, Honey, I just heard some loud noises coming from the backyard. Now, I'm in the shower, soaking wet with soap all over me, and I said to her, what kind of noises? She said that she heard a loud cracking noise, followed by a bang of some kind. I turned the water off and quickly tried to dry off. Just so you understand, you don't run outside wet in January in the state of Minnesota. It took me about 15 minutes to get dry and dressed. After turning the lights on in the yard, I went outside with my flashlight and my 20 gauge. In my yard, I had a pair of floodlights on the back of the house and an additional pair mounted over the entrance to the barn, both of which had been turned off when my wife had heard the noises. As I went out the back door, I noticed immediately that the barn door was wide open. I should also mention that we hadn't had any recent snow, and the ground was dry and frozen solid. I slowly moved into a position where I could see inside of the open barn, expecting at any moment that a bear or something was going to come launching out at me, but nothing happened. The barn was empty, but on closer inspection I found that the large latch on the freezer chest had been damaged. There was a huge dent which had buckled in the top lid of the freezer. As I looked around, there were no visible tracks of any kind. Exiting the barn, I could find nothing whatsoever in the yard either, so I went back inside of the house and called the police. The police came by a short while later. I reported that something had broken into my barn and attempted to steal my meat. What else could I say? The policeman and I had both taken note of the fact that there were no claw marks or scratchers on the freezer's paint, which would be indicative that a bear had more than likely been the culprit. The policeman told us to keep an eye on things and to call if anything further happened. It was the very next night, January 13th, at exactly 10 p.m., that my wife and I were sitting in the living room watching the news when I heard what sounded like a metallic cracking sound coming from the backyard. My wife and I looked at each other at the same time as if to say, here we go again. I quickly put my boots and coat on. Simultaneously, I flipped the light switch and opened the back door with my 20 gauge in hand. I was hoping to catch the culprit in the act, but nothing could have prepared me for what would happen next. 
I had exited the back door and turned on the floodlights in virtually one fast movement that had taken only seconds. Now, standing on the back steps, I was looking directly at the barn door, which was once again opened. As soon as my eyes were fixed on the door, a huge Bigfoot with glowing red eyes leaned out from behind the door looking directly at me. I squeezed the trigger. The beast let out a scream that was unimaginable, and I heard my wife scream in the house virtually at the same moment. I knew I had hit him squarely with number six shot right in the upper torso. The beast immediately retreated into the barn. It was followed by a large crash which sounded like a wrecking ball hitting the barn. This was followed by a couple of loud groaning sounds which were now fading into the backwoods of the property. Stepping off the back stairs, my wife was now at the door screaming at me not to go any closer. I told her, I have the gun and I'll be all right. As I jumped in front of the open door ready to shoot, the barn was empty. A large section of the back wall had been entirely blown out. I am speaking about broken boards and splinters, a sight which one would have to see to believe. The barn was constructed of two-by-six walls that were exposed and uninsulated on the interior, and the exterior wall of the barn was finished in three-quarter-inch thick clapboard. This beast had torn through it all like a shower curtain. As soon as our eyes had met, I could see that he was leaning over behind the door, exposing only his head, right shoulder, and arm, which was my target when I fired the shot. The door was a full eight feet in height, and his head was just below that when leaning. The odd thing was that the eyes were glowing red, as if they themselves were illuminated by some source other than the reflected light from the flood lamps. I say this because the set of lights on the barn were above its head and shining away from the barn, while the pair of lights on my house were facing in an entirely different direction, neither of which would have been responsible for the degree of illumination which I was seeing coming from the beast's eyes. How this creature could have survived a point-blank blast from a number six shot is beyond me. That, coupled with being able to blow through the back wall like a bulldozer after having been hit, was beyond belief. He was standing only 20 feet away when I nailed him with the shot. The next morning, I called the police after having closely examined the damage to the barn's wall. When the officer arrived, he couldn't believe my story or what he was looking at. The beast on its second effort had actually torn the lock and clasp off the freezer chest and had gained access to the meat, which was the noise that had startled my wife and I in the living room at 10 o'clock. He had smashed his way through four side-by-side, two-by-six studs spaced 16 inches on center, blowing the siding off the building which gave the appearance that a bomb had exploded inside. The resulting hole in the back of the barn was about six feet wide and ten feet tall. 
The officer had made a call on his radio telling another unit that they had to come over and see this. Apparently, an ambulance crew had also heard the call. For in 10 minutes' time, there were four policemen and an ambulance parked at my house. Everyone was completely blown away by my story and the obvious damage that had been done to the freezer and the barn. It was then, as the officers were speaking to me and amongst themselves, that I was now made aware out of their own lips that these creatures were both known and reported to be around on a fairly regular basis in the region. Each of the four officers had something to say in regards to their own experiences of being called to the scene of a Bigfoot sighting or encounter. And so... It is, in fact, true, although the public is not informed about it, that these beasts are regularly coming in close contact with humanity. And that day, it just happened to be my turn. (laughs) What do you think of that, Kev? That's a pretty creepy encounter. You know, (coughs) excuse me, here this guy has this substantial... Uh, floor freezer uh, that he's put some type of modified uh, galvanized steel or steel clasp on with a lock uh, just to protect it, you know, so nothing could lift it up and just pop it open. And this thing came back on two attempts. Uh, Maybe the first night it got scared off. I mean, if these things can be scared. Uh, and he noticed some damage, what, to the lid and then to the handle. Uh, but it was relentless in that the second night it came back, couldn't avoid the temptation. And uh, made quick work of tearing the whole damn thing apart. Now, this thing had to be bolted uh, to the lid of this freezer chest, right? This clasp. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I, I could just visualize me or you trying to tear open a a bolted clasp on a freezer chest with a lock on it to gain access. Yeah, it'd be be tough to open with a bolt cutter, let alone your bare hands. Forget it. And then this thing bulldozing through the wall. Uh, I I mean, like, it doesn't even matter. Just like, blam, I'm out of here getting hit with the shot and taking off. Yeah, I mean the uh, I was I was listening along and thinking, oh my goodness, he's going to go in there and corner this wounded beast, but he didn't have to worry about that because the thing ran through the back wall, right? It's crazy. Yeah, just you know, <clears throat> and it reminds me of uh, I always go back to the story of the pheasant hunter. Uh, these guys were hunting. Uh, it was their second day. I think they were doing a soybean field that day, flushing out some pheasant. And uh, their dog went into a briar, uh, a row of briar bushes. And the dog started howling and hooting. He was in deep. They couldn't even see the dog. They could only hear him. And this fella thought that the dog had come across a bobcat or something in the briar. Right. And this creature explodes out of the briar patch. Uh, standing high above it and starts to run as he dumps two barrels at it uh, at close range, and the thing was uh, unmoved by the shot. Uh, 
It's I mean, crazy. It is freaking, it's just unbelievable that you can plug one of these things and they can keep going. Hmm. I mean, what's the explanation for that? Yeah, and he, I mean, he talks about it, right, as being eight feet tall. And again, these uh, red glowing eyes, just kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, he said the barn door was all of eight feet tall and this thing's head was ducked down behind it. Yeah, so more than eight feet, yeah. Could could be more, you know. I mean, just very freaking bizarre, you know. Oh, no doubt about it. Gigantic. But there's no there's no avoiding the fact that as people infringe uh, and build more and live in in all of these different places, it's a lot like the bear thing, you know. Where they're coming in, I mean, they're losing their fear of people if they had any fear, and they're just snooping around. Yeah, well, as we tear down their habitat, right, they got to find a place to go and they got less food. They're going to look, look wherever they can get food. Yeah, and, you know, I remember a very old account, uh, not, not one of my own. Uh, this was actually on one of the Bigfoot TV shows, and many of our listeners probably know what I'm talking about. Uh, I want to say it was in the 1800s, late 1800s. Uh, this woman and her children were in a two-story house built in the woods. Uh, I think it was somewhere here in the Northeast, and her husband uh, had gone to work for the day. And I mean, Kev, this was one house in the middle of the woods. This mm. was like, you know, frontier-type living. And the husband had gone down to town or whatever for the day to make a couple of bucks and the woman was out hanging some laundry on a line in what was their little backyard setting. And she heard something and gathered the children together. There were, I think there were two or three children. Next thing you know, she turns and there's this Sasquatch leering at her alongside of the house. Mm. So she took the kids and tore out of there, following the trail down into town, the same trail that her husband had taken to work. And when they, when the husband came back, he didn't find the woman or the kids. He didn't know what happened, and I guess they hadn't got together or the paths got crossed, uh, one exiting and one returning. But what he found in the house was that all of their dry goods, uh, which were basically in sacks and like uh, tin drums, had been ransacked, including grain and uh, dry fish. Mm, Wild. Yeah. So, I mean, this thing knew they were living there and uh, apparently was coming whether they were there or not to have a look-see. And the lady took off, and probably good for her that she did. Yeah, we've seen a couple of other accounts like that, too, where, again, it's looking for food and uh, knows you have food, can smell it or saw you bring it in, whatever, probably both, and uh, uh, wants, to get, wants to get some lunch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'll take a Big Mac and a large fry. And by the way, give me that 50-pound sack of salmon. It's just pulling up to the drive-thru. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you were talking about the cougars being ever-present. You just don't see them. Uh, when you think of situations like this, uh, with this uh, meat locker or freezer and what I was just talking about, 
These creatures could be right there in the bushes day in and day out. Just sneaking around, keeping an eye on what kind of activity is going on, what goes on, where do you go, what are you cooking, you know, smelling the smells, the aromas, and you would never know it. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Holy cow. Well, so that's it. That's it, man. That is a killer account. Great account. I agree. Super. So what do you got for us today, Kev? What are the uh, Cool. We have some good listener mail from all around. So uh, we're going to start out right here in my state of North Carolina. And this is from, yeah, from Rexana. And uh, Rexana, I'm guessing that's a female. I don't know. I don't know that name. But uh, they say, uh, things really seem to be heating up in my state regarding Bigfoot sightings. Although I've seen nothing, there is much talk around about the big boy making his presence known. What, if anything, have you heard? Great show. Wow. So I've definitely been hearing a lot about this. Uh, My daughter was up in Boone, North Carolina, this past uh, weekend, which Boone is... uh, you know, one of the pretty popular towns up in the mountains in western North Carolina. It's also home of uh, App State University. So, you know, it's a relatively small town, but it is a university town. And in and around Boone and the surrounding areas, it's pretty rural. And uh, there's definitely a lot of Bigfoot sightings. I've been watching them closely, of course, because I, I live here in the state. And I'll be covering some of them uh, in uh in the near future. And then on Facebook, there were some pictures that came out. And Bill, I think they covered it on uh, Coast to Coast AM as well, um, where somebody captured some photos near the lakeside uh, out in Western North Carolina recently. And they're interesting photos. You know, I mean, it's, you, you can, in my opinion, you can see what you want to see in them, you know, but there's definitely this shadowy, dark, uh, thing could be a creature between the uh-huh. trees. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll keep we'll keep looking here, Rexana, and uh, definitely uh, want to cover it. I mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind running into one. You know, <laughs> I keep you looking. Know, you know, uh, my friend Nate uh, down in uh, Alabama. Nate, if you're listening, a big shout out to you, bro. Good job down there. <laughs> uh, Nate has been. Uh, Working for a while now with a group uh, of uh, folks, they're trying to put together uh, uh, a library, if you will, uh, a place where people can share uh, information on Bigfoot, uh, post and share. And we'll get into that a little more down the road with Nate, I'm sure. But he's... uh, He's been working with FLIR cameras and a group of guys going out into an area uh, down there in Bama uh, where uh, they're saying they're having some uh, activity over there on an ongoing basis. Uh, The imagery is a little odd. Uh, Again, like you said, uh, difficult to discern what it is you're looking at. Kind of jumpy with the images and whatnot. And, uh, of course, this is fuel for skeptics, right? The, the same old story. Where is the steady hand? Where is the picture? Right, right. Blah, 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 blah. But the fact is, you're out at night. It's not easy, my friends. It is not easy. Oh, no. Uh, and we know so, they're stealthy creatures. You know, 
Yeah, you know, something's sneaking around. It's in the dark. Its coloration is dark. I mean, come on. Yeah, no doubt you know, about it. But, uh, but there are people out there doing the yeoman share of the work, uh, and uh, they're appreciated. You know what I mean, Kev? Oh, no doubt about it. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, so it takes a lot of time you... to go out there searching for these beasts. Sure. And what was your opinion of what you saw in those uh, those photos? You know, I want to see more. Um, it, it wasn't as uh, compelling as like those that video of the Bigfoot in Provo, Utah, that we talked about in one of our first episodes. Yeah. You know, back from January of this year, like that was yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Um, especially as they went up to that, hiked up to that area and tried to figure out if if a human like in a suit or something would look like that and they clearly said no so it wasn't that compelling but it was and these were still images the ones that i I saw at least of uh kind of like you know a shadowy thing standing back in the forest which is reasonable that you know the hairy man would be standing back a bit in the forest but um you know could be maybe not maybe not i don't know yeah, I and you know what? I, lo- I look back at that Provo uh, shot, and, you know, uh, at first glance, it almost looks like a, a very uh, shallow grade to where the creature was standing. But it was deceiving because the, uh, was it the BFRO guys who went back to investigate? Yeah, I don't think, it may have been BFRO, but it might have been a different group out there in the northwest i i just can't recall so i don't want to say right all right so uh, there was some type of sorry bfro guys but we're on your side yeah uh whoever went back to investigate it said how steep oh yeah the next day they were videotaping their climb up there and they couldn't get up there and it was all snowy too so it was just you know not not realistic that that was someone climbing up there on their own right in a suit no not yeah and you know i looked at it and i said "Eh, it didn't look that steep or or, or rough to me but what you see is not what you get generally when you put yourself in the same position yeah when you're looking at a mountain from afar you know and you think you're going to scurry your way up there that's rarely the case Right. And I mean, it was like those guys. I had these guys that sighted this Bigfoot moving on the other side of a lake. Mm -hmm. They saw it climb up a a short cliff or rugged area. And the next day they went back there. The rocks that they thought were like two feet tall from their position were like eight feet tall. Exactly. So they had no depth perception. They had no comparison of what was on the other lake, on the other side of the lake, and how far it was. But when they got there, they were like, holy cow, man, this wall was 60 feet tall, not 20 feet tall. You know, so your perception is not always uh, correct. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Cool. Very bizarre. So thank you, Rexana, for that note from the Tar Heel State here. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're going to go over across the Atlantic, Bill, to Wallace in Surrey, UK, the United Kingdom. Wow. By the way, Kev, do you have any tar on your heels? <laughs> no. I mean, you've been there for a while. You're officially a Tar Heel, man. Yeah, yeah, you know. 
That's a, that's the North Carolinians. You know, they say the Tar Heels. They put the they had they they were such touch tough fighters back, I guess, in the Civil War that they uh, wouldn't run from anything, and it was like they had tar on their heels. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know where that saying came from. Now I do. Yeah, that's that that's what they say. Awesome. Uh, um, cool. So we're over in the UK now with Wallace. And Wallace says, great show, and really enjoyed the piece on Spring Heel Jack. Uh, I liked it, too. Uh, that's me talking, not him. As you so <laughs> aptly say, Bill, everything is grist for the mill. Uh-huh. Just bought my first volume and wanted you guys to know how much you are appreciated. Godspeed to both of you. Well, thank you, Wallace. And thanks for buying something. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, Wallace. That's where's he from? Surrey? Surrey, UK. Wow, that's awesome, man. Yeah, very cool. You know, it's 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 always uh it just warms my heart uh the length and breadth of the listenership. Uh, you know, where these people are coming from and the fact that in this day and age that people can Tune us in from virtually anywhere. It's just really remarkable. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Any time of day. I mean, that's the beauty of these podcasts. Just any downtime you have, just listen in. Plug us in and uh, give a listen. Exactly. And uh, interesting, too. You know, we did the piece on Spring Heels Jack uh, kind of under our Other Oddities segment. And... Uh, uh, you know, there are people out there interested in this kind of stuff. I mean, heck, I'm interested in it, you know. Uh, and it's neat to hear this guy from Britain, uh, which is where this whole thing kind of seems to have started or been sparked. Absolutely. By uh, the way, uh, to our listeners out there, I, I put a couple of images of Spring Hill Jack up on our website, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. And it's, it's pretty interesting. I, I, I liked looking into that story. Super creepy. Gonna have to find something else like that, Bill, for our Halloween episode, which will be coming up here. Oh yeah. Now listen, I have to tell you, folks. One of the images my brother picked up, uh, put up, is me in a pair of long johns with a long hat on. <laughs> <laughs> I also have incredible leaping ability. <laughs> All I right. Can, well, I speaking can, uh, of. <laughs> Speaking of the breadth of listenership, <laughs> we're going to go all the way to Japan, uh, to Katsu. And uh, so Katsu-san, this is very interesting. He says, many do not know that 75% of my country is forests and mountains. There is great lore and mystery in Japan regarding strange creatures and spirits being in the land haunting our people and harassing them. Perhaps you could investigate these claims. The show is very good and can't wait for the next go-round. Thank you. So Pretty wow. cool. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's another one of those things, Kev, you know, when he makes mention of that, you know, as city people or... I mean, I don't live in the woods. I have woods around me, but... This is not uh, British Columbia here. Right. And, you know, when I think of Japan, I'm thinking of, like, Tokyo, right? Oh, no. Pretty, like, pretty, well, one is 
Yeah, of course, I've been over there probably a dozen times. Been fortunate enough to go over there a dozen times. It certainly the cities are huge and uh, massive, like Tokyo you mentioned. But right. one, it's a very big country, yeah. bigger than you think. You know, from afar, generally bigger than Americans certainly think generally, and uh, and pretty darn rural as well. Beautiful yeah. country. Uh, shy of having an individual say something like that, I mean, I'm not thinking of that country in that light. Yeah. But 75% is mountains and woods. Yeah. And I'm in my mind's eye thinking of, you know, people just jammed all over the streets, cars buzzing around, mopeds, bicycles, skyscrapers. And really, that is only just a a uh, a smidgen of what the country is. Yeah, the big cities for sure. That's what you're going to see and hear. But uh, you know, a lot of lot of rural area. We'll have to look into it. So I haven't heard anything of these creatures. I'm not shocked of it. Uh, we'll we'll take a look and see if we can weave our way through. Uh, I'm sure a lot of the accounts are in Japanese. Um, but I'll also talk to some of my friends over there and see what I can learn. Yeah, and Kev, you know, they also have that horrible place over there. They call it like the Suicide Forest. Mm. Have you heard about that? No. I'm pretty sure that's in Japan. Uh, uh, and and nobody can tell me that's not of demonic origin, where people feel led to go commit suicide in this forest. Mm. Uh, they apparently have a lot of people going over there. They leave clothing and stuff, they, uh, notes, and they've actually posted signs uh, in, in areas uh, outside of this forest, basically pleading with people uh, not to go into the woods and commit suicide. Yeah, call a friend, talk yeah, to somebody. Yeah, I mean, that's freaking horrible. Oh, man. that's awful. Anyways, yeah. Uh, so maybe we'll do a little investigating over there and uh, see what you can drum up from some of your business acquaintances over there. Yeah, no doubt. Cool. All right. We are coming back to Canada, where I happened to be last week. This is from Terry in Ontario. Um, Terry says, I had an encounter for the record book some years ago as a guide. And when I get my act together, I'll contact you. Uh, I also know others who have or know of someone who had encounters around our lakes. Your account, The Fight, was spot on in my opinion, and it is no secret amongst guides. These creatures are here and in charge. Best regards, Terry. Cool. Whoa. Must be like a river guide, a fishing guide, or something like that. Well, you know, it's certainly a good way to make a buck if you got the skill set, you know. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, especially today. I mean, people are paying top buck to go up there on these trips. Oh, and, and they really uh, make your life easy. I mean, when I was up in Alaska, I had a couple of different fishing guides going out for salmon. And uh-huh. uh, they know exactly where to go. And, you know, they they have all of the knowledge of all of the other guides that have been operating, you know, that week, that month. And they know exactly where to go and what to use. And you you catch your fish pretty quickly they're worth they're worth what you pay them yeah no doubt about it and see here you go here's a guy that really hasn't contacted me he says you know well when i get my act together well you know when's that gonna be my friend i'm waiting (laughs) and uh (laughs) and then he's saying it's 
pretty much common knowledge. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not saying the guides uh, are looking to freak out their paid fares and tell them, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, there's Bigfoot out here, so watch your, watch yourself if you go in the woods to uh, relieve yourself, you know. <laughs> but they know. Yeah, I mean, if it's up there, they know about it or they hear about it, you know. Right. They're definitely tuned in. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's just incredible, man. So there you go. There's another... Uh, I was just talking about uh, how many people have said they've had a sighting or an encounter uh, since we've been doing this. And there you go. There's another one. Yep. Super cool. Wow. Incredible. All right. Well, thanks, Terry, from up north. Um, And then, Bill, our last uh, note comes from Brian in southern Illinois. So in in the central northern U.S., and uh, I hope we can say this on the podcast. He says, this show is bitching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can say that. <laughs> it's just an adjective. Uh, and Brian says, the people need to know what's going on. And you fellas are putting it out there. At 39 years of age, I myself have heard a number of accounts in my area and yet I've seen nothing for myself. I am stoked by your podcast, and I'm going to start looking. I'll let you know if anything develops, Brian. <laughs> All right. <laughs> There's a guy with some resolve, man. Brian's going out there. He's going to find one. <laughs> and he's going to have a Brian. time doing it. <laughs> Remember, Brian, carry some uh, weaponry. <laughs> <laughs> Very don't good go, point. Yeah, don't go walking in the woods with an ear of coin and ear of corn and a sack of fish. Yeah, be careful what you look, what you wish for, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Just be prepared. Yeah, you might be screaming something else other than "Yowie!" <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll be wishing you had wheels instead of legs. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, maybe the guy will go out there and run into something uh, at a distance. Yeah. Oh, and, and yeah. hopefully he'll be prepared and be armed and be ready to throw some lead if he needs to. <laughs> All right, Bill, that's our last mail for this week. And fantastic show, fantastic show. And, you know, as we part ways once again... May I remind you, all of our listeners, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. <laughs>